Hey, My Mom's Basement listeners, you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever, you can't find the fairway with a map, and the bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. Forrest Griffin, one of my favorite fighters of all time. I tell him this in the interview, but he might have been my first like favorite fighter because he was on the cover of UFC Undisputed 09, so I kind of just gravitated towards him right away. This show is brought to you by 3Chi, as I tell you each and every week. 3Chi is the leader in hemp-derived cannabinoid products. All of their products are formulated by a biochemist, and this stuff is Delta-8 THC. It's a federally legal version of THC that gives you the perfect hybrid of effects between Delta-9 THC, THC you find in weed, and just the CBD itself. Gives you a similar buzz, all the medicinal effects, without the laziness, anxiety, paranoia, the mental fogginess. This stuff is awesome. They've got vapes, they've got edibles, they've got tinctures, the oils that you know you use to make your homemade edibles. They're not just the leader in the Delta 8 industry either, they invented the industry. Again, this stuff is 100% federally legal, 100% grown in the USA, hemp-derived, and it's available at 3chi.com. That's the number 3chi.com, and at select retailers across the country now. You must be 21 or older to purchase, but if you go to 3chi.com, again, that's the number 3chi.com, right now, you'll get 5% off all Delta 8 products when you use the promo code BASEMENT. Now let's get into this interview with UFC Hall of Famer, Forrest Griffin. All right, welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am here with a UFC Hall of Famer. He's actually in two wings of the UFC Hall of Fame. He was maybe my first favorite fighter in the UFC, to be honest with you, because you were on the cover of the UFC Undisputed video game in 09, and that was like, you know, the biggest thing in the world for me. He's Forrest Griffin. Forrest, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to be here, man. I'm glad to have you here. How have you been holding up through 2020 through the quarantine? What's been keeping you entertained? I mean, I'm I'm great, you know. Like, yeah, like people always joke, I've been social distancing for a while, man. So it's all good for me, you know. My my Wi-Fi works pretty well. Um, had to upgrade to that higher data plan, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, right? The the trials and tribulations of 2020. Yeah, I'm the same way. Have you been diving into TV shows? Are you diving into movies? Are you a video oh, game guy? Are you diving bro, into music? What are you yeah. getting into? No, I'm not coordinated enough to play video games. Um, I'm I'm the worst about watching so many bad TV shows. It's it's just unbelievable the amount of time I dedicate to bad television. And then I've seen, I think, oh my gosh, like. Like, what's bad television? You're talking reality TV, bad sitcoms? No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, um, you know, well, not like bad, bad, but like The Boys, you know, that's one of my favorite. Oh, yeah, I like The Boys, yeah. 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 No, just, 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 just uh, down the rabbit hole of weird, like, French detective noirs. It's, you know, I don't even know. And I assume I'm looking at your office in the UFC Performance Institute right now. Yeah, I've seen it before. So for those that don't know, you are working in there pretty often every day. Are you in the Performance Institute? You know, like everybody, I spend most of my waking time here at the UFC. Um, That's pretty much the, the deal. I don't work that much, but I'm here. 
if you needed work done, I suppose I could do it. Yeah, what does your job entail for those that don't exactly. know with the UFC exactly. right now? Um, no, I mean, if you were like a UFC fighter and you needed a thing, you would ask me and I would facilitate it. I would make that thing happen. You know, if, if it's a trainer-related thing, like my cardio fad, let's say, or, you know, who, who do I talk to about medicals or uh, the, the, the flight stuff? And it's like, hey, you know what I'll do? I'll find the guy. I'm the guy with the Rolodex. I'm literally like nobody except the guy with the Rolodex. Are you like the UFC guidance counselor? Would you say that's oh, fair? Oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take pride in helping younger fighters? Is that one of the things that you like about that job? It actually is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, of course it is. It, it yeah. I mean, I, I try to, you know, to to kind of joke and be jovial about it. But yeah, that, it's the coolest thing is to get to kind of give back, right? Did you know you wanted to do that when you were fighting? Like, as you were fighting, did you think, I want to transition into a coaching career afterwards, or I want to transition into something like that? I did not enjoy coaching or cornering. I would do it, but it wasn't wasn't my passion. I was always like, you know, I wanted to fight, man. uh, And that's why the sport of MMA is the best, right? Because you're – it's a a team of one, and and I like that part of it. Like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, you know – not not a like a social group animal but uh no you know i guess it took me a couple of years and then you know it, it did seem like the thing to do i've always kind of been a, a bit christian light and had like the the heart to give and help i've done a lot of charity stuff and then you know you start thinking about it well, i'm doing all this man i could really probably help some younger fighters out too or just like the next generation or the sport as a whole to help it evolve and you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but that's really what we're trying to do at the Performance Institute is figure out the best way to train for mixed martial arts and disseminate that to everybody. Less yeah. injuries, better, you know. I've seen the tours. I mean, you've given me a tour of the place. I've seen literal, you know, machines that look like wait, there's something we, out of Rocky wait, Four. We, we physically met before? Yeah, we have. I. That's amazing. Damn, didn't leave a big impression, I guess. This time you'll remember. This time you'll remember. (laughs) That says more about me than it says about you. (laughs) Well, yeah, you've been in fights. You could that's like an excuse for everything, right? I'm kind of a stoner. It's the same thing. It's like ah, it's the the weed. Ah, It's the the fights. Yeah. I was I was always dumb and had a poor memory, but now I just have an excuse. Yeah, there you go. It's like the quarantine for me, and like you, um, I assume, is just an excuse not to go out now. It's nice. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, and like my wife should have been ordering our groceries from day one. Like, <laughs> why weren't we doing this before, babe? What, what's going on here? You know? Yeah, it is nice. There's a lot of curbside pickup is great. I think that should just be a thing that happens all the time now. There's a lot of benefits to it. So I'm gonna just name five opponents that you've had in your career, five fights really. Okay. And I would love for you to tell me, just as a fan, what you look back on that fight and think now in 2020 years later. So first up, the 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 legendary Ultimate Fighter finale fight against Stefan Bonner. Uh, you know, for me, that was uh, that was like the turning point in my life. That was literally the day I didn't have to get a job outside of fighting. You know, before that, I'd always had a side hustle or an actual job, and fighting was a hobby. That was the day, um, very scary, I might add, that I had no excuses. It was like, oh, wait, now I just fight people for a living, and I don't have the excuse of, ah, if I didn't have to work, I'd be so good. I can literally just devote all my time to training and becoming the best fighter I can be shit i like those excuses did you feel like that was as important as a title fight for you did it feel that big uh 
Yeah, it did at the moment. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think, you know, they, they're talking about the six figure contracts and you're going to be employed, but you, you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to get to fight for a living. So it's a big thing for me at the time, you know, it yeah. was basically what I've been trying to do for the three or four years prior, four years prior with uh, no success. So. And for those that don't know, Dana White has said time and time again that that fight quite literally might have saved the UFC. Without that fight and without that entire season, without The Ultimate Fighter um, as a reality show, the UFC may not be here today. Things were on the decline for a while. When did that kind of create this history? When did it have a historic aura around it? Was it right away? Was it five years later? Was it 10 years later? Well, I mean, it was, it was pretty close because they had me and Stefan's gloves and, and gear in the hard rock, like in like one of those shadow box things, like with a big, you know, like in a video playing of the fight. And then I would like go past it every day. And just like, oh. So, you know, it was, it was impactful right away. That's pretty awesome. Um, up next, your fight against Tito Ortiz, a guy that's running for Congress now. Wait. Congress for real? Congress? I think he's running for a political position for sure. Like, like like a local, yeah, it's like a local Huntington Beach thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. The first fight. The first fight. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that that was a great experience for me. You know, it was a good exercise and like, you know, self-belief and whatnot, you know? So, uh, and it was funny. He said, like, you know, I'm going to, he said uh, something about, you know, two minutes into the fight, I'm going to be smashing his face in. He's going to know, you know, he's going to know what it's like to play with the big boys. And then I said, like, 15 minutes into the fight, when I'm still coming at him, he's going to know that I'm one of the big boys. And we were both right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, yeah, at the end of the fight, you know, when you give each other the, like, embrace, there you go. All right, we were both correct on that one. Um, the fight against Shogun. Um, I'm assuming you mean the first one. First fight, yep. But, but first I'm, fight I'm on you, all of these, first fight I'm going down. Yeah, I'm going to give you uh, both, though. So the first okay. fight was probably the most excited I ever was about a win. Shogun was a legend to me. Um, I had actually been like in a crazy place he's the only fight in my career i ever asked for um you know i wouldn't even have yeah yeah i wouldn't even like use people's names well i actually asked for vanderlei too but i'm glad i didn't get him um (laughs) but you know i i would just you know like i'll fight who you know i wouldn't even try to like you know so i put myself in a situation and you know i i just uh i thought there was a way i could just be the rock he broke himself on you know because the way he comes in and comes in and and you know as a guy whose style i admired and and tried to learn a little from you know he comes in hard with heavy hands legs and kicks uh punches and kicks kind of crashes into you then looks for the body lock takedown and i was like that's kind of what i want to do too you know kind of have the same style it's anyway yeah so up next, this one is one of my favorites of all time. It's the fight against Rampage. You're a big underdog in this fight. You had the ultimate fighter leading up to it. Yeah. What do you look back at this fight and think? Well, I mean, you know, it was important for me. That was the uh, kind of, that was what made me, right? The belt. Um, you should always defend the belt once, but what can you do? So at least I got the belt and, you know, it, that's kind of what makes the career, right? Uh, you can say former champion. So you got that going for you. 
And, and listen, you're talking five. to a Conor McGregor fan, so you don't have to defend a belt. It's fine. It's, it's, it's cool, bro. It's cool. You win the belt, you walk away, you box someone. It's fine. We'll do whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the new model. I like the new model. I like it. So you mentioned before that you didn't love the experience of coaching. Did you not love the experience of being a coach on The Ultimate Fighter, or was that completely, yeah. like, separate from coaching? No, no, it was totally – it was very hard for me. <clears throat> um. It, it, it was hard for me. You start caring, caring about people. You start liking people. It, it kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. it, it's like, you know, your empathy and you're like, oh, I got to help these guys. I got to do, um, <clears throat> you know, like I got nervous when they would fight for a while. You know, I would be like in the stands or like in the back helping them warm up. And I'd be like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm, like I'm sweaty, but you know. Um, but it was such a great learning experience, you know, as far as my training. And one thing I'll say about the coaching that and the crew I put together, which was great, um, is five guys from the show ended up staying in Vegas or training in Vegas with me to some extent. Wow. Yeah, guys were like, okay. Well, and, and also Vegas is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was really awesome around 2007 and eight. That was but but yeah, you know, so those like taxes. It's like so hot. It's unbelievably hot. Did I mention it's hot? It's so hot. It is super hot. I was just there, and it was like 114. I was there for the uh, Cormier Stipe fight at the Apex, and oh, oh my god, it was it was got, through the you roof. Got media, you got legit media credentials, huh? I know. I couldn't believe it. Everyone tells me I don't have legit media credentials, and then I, I shine them in their face. I'm like, haha. <laughs> Yeah, it's Uncle Dana. It's Uncle Dana. All right, this last one I hate to bring up as a fan of yours, but I would love oh, to I get know. your take on it. It's the Anderson Silva fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean that that was that was what I had going for me after that was it was never going to be worse. Nothing worse was ever going to be. Nothing was ever going to be more embarrassing. I was never going to be more distraught with myself at that moment and that's when I knew you know man if I if I made it through that then like really everything else like I could lose a limb and be happier than that you know what I'm saying like uh not to get too dark on you but I was, yeah. I was pretty upset. um you know it's just not uh yeah and, and then you know that's the thing I, I don't think people get a lot of times with professional athletes is the worst moment of your life that's going to come up one million times. Like the anniversary of the fight comes up. Hey, there it is, and a million people. And then, you know, you, you post something or say something bad, and they're, you know, like, I'm going to Anderson Silver. It, like, immediately comes out. And it's just like, that's just not clever. That's just, oh, that's like run, force, run, buddy. That's just, come on, <laughs> yeah. you got to do better. Do you think it's different in fighting than it is in other sports? Because I see this as someone that tries to, you know, yeah. obviously cover the sport from like a comedic perspective. I always run into the trying not to actually disrespect fighters because there are like different so, stakes. It's not like you're losing a yeah. basketball game where it's like you're getting I, knocked I out. And agree more. Yeah. I could not agree more. It, it is. Uh, and I think it was Quentin Jackson that ever said this. It's the epitome of ego in a sport. And when you've been beaten in that regard, it's not like, well, I couldn't shoot a basketball as well as the guy next to me. He was really good at that. You know, or it's not even yeah. like a footballer. And it's not a team sport. You can't look around and say, well, you know, if he hadn't dropped that pass, we would have won. It's like, if I hadn't gotten beat, 
or I would have won. You know, it's like there's yeah. no, I, 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 and and that's what always appealed to me about it. Uh, when I was a young man, I used to say, you know, people would be like, oh, you're a mixed martial artist. I'd say, no, I'm a prize fighter, man. I'll, I'll fight for money. I'll fight for a damn ham sandwich if I'm hard up. I'll just fight. And then this is the same thing with coaching. As I got older, I became a martial artist. As I got older, when I saw people getting punched, I went, oh, God, man, that's. And, and then, you know, I think about, man, is that guy going to be okay? Is she, oh, man, her elbow, you know, hope. I wonder, and then you know in your mind, man, that's like six months. It's going to cost her, you know, a chunk of her life and career. You know what I'm saying? When you see those yeah. injuries, you don't think like that when you're young. You should, you know? Yeah. When you're young, you're just like, eh, step over the dead and move forward. Yeah. So looking back at your entire career now, what would you say the absolute pinnacle was in terms of the happiest you ever were with a win? Was it that Shogun fight? It was the Shogun fight. Yeah, yeah. It was the Shogun fight, followed closely by the Stefan Bonner fight. That, that and, makes a lot I, of sense. I'll give you another little story. Um, so I had a real good camp the second time I fought Shogun. Things were going pretty good. After I lost that fight, that's when I really, that's when I kind of knew I was never going to be a title contender, challenger again. And I mean, I still wanted to fight. I didn't ever want to retire. I just put my knee out twice. But uh, that's when I knew it was like, all right, I can maybe fight in main events and louse or something you know but i'm never gonna be like a top five guy again you know what i'm saying were you cool with that at the time or was that like something that was hard to come to grips with honestly man i was all right with it yeah maybe i shouldn't have been but i was like man as long as i can still fight and i can fight people that are my level i'm, I'm cool with that you know yeah like, I, I, maybe i don't need, I, I think don't that's need healthy probably through the world but yeah. i still i still have a name and a, a marketability and you know there's still a lot of people I can fight and make good fights with. Just not those top 10, 12 dogs, you know? Yeah. When you look like, back find at me the other old guys with bigger reputations than skill and let me fight those guys. Yeah. It's like um, beat George. I was talking about the old people's league. <laughs> yeah. The legends league. Yeah. So looking back, is there anything you would have changed? Is there anything you would have done differently or? Yes. All of it, literally everything. Like, <laughs> really, your guys. So many things. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? I kind of uh, feel the same way. Like when people yeah. say I have no regrets, I'm kind of like, man, I have like a ton of regrets. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, no regrets. <laughs> yeah. A better man than me. I have so many regrets. How, yeah. how old are you? I'm 22. That's so great. You can like um, do something. Like, yeah. Change those things. Yeah, yeah. I could try, you can try. Yeah, I mean, you can live your life and not have any regrets today. You'd be like, I nailed that interview. That was amazing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's definitely a positive outlook to have on a, everything there. Um, so, how do you think you would have done if you, as a fighter, were put in 2020 under the current yeah. like media landscape, the social media landscape, where I feel like you probably would have. I think you would have done really well. Yeah, I think oh, you would have been like a personable Twitter yeah. guy. Like, yeah, I would, have, I would have crushed it. I thought you were gonna ask me about the actual fighting, and that I was gonna be like, not good. <laughs> the sport evolves quick, my friend. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not dropping you into the octagon right now. I'm yeah. dropping you into like sure, sure, uh, sure. the Ben Askren, Darren Till uh, Twitter oh, game. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I would do really well in that that part of it, but the uh, the actual fighting part, nah, not so much. 
Do you wish but, yeah. that stuff were like around? Like, do you wish you had the opportunity to get a little crazier with it in your fighting career? Or do you like that you stuck to the very respectful um, route? No, no, no. Well, I mean, th- there's a couple things to say about that. One, you got to think where I was coming from. You know, I'm, I'm MySpace generation, bro. I saw everything kind of blow up and I thought it was amazing. I felt like, Oh my gosh, I have like half a million people following me. This is insane. You know, I was like, I was blown away at that time by people on the, on actual TV interview. This is insane. Like, so at the the time, you know, I thought it was pretty good. You know, you got to understand. No, totally. Yeah. I just mean the more the, not even the blow up, but the like, the way that people interact through like memes, look at the style bender, Paulo Costa thing where yeah. like style bender is just like absolutely beating the dead horse on them with all the memes yeah. like that stuff. It's, it's just a different MMA Twitter is a different landscape now than yeah. it was I'd, back I'd then. Get, I'd have to hire a team to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody do that. I can't be bothered with these, these memes. Yeah. yeah it's fun to bring that fight up. How'd you feel about that? The way, uh, Israel handled that after he won. So for me, a Barstool sports writer, it's perfect. Yeah. It's content for me. It's yeah, if, if you're making point. comedy, it like that's yeah. nice for me from like an objective standpoint. I also yeah. feel like he didn't do that to Robert Whitaker really, right? He only did it to the Costa who really, really talked trash before the fight, kept calling him skinny, made that video of the the guy running out of the octagon, his sparring partner. So I, I was kind of okay with it. And I always fall back to what Dana says pretty often is like, we're talking about cage fighting here. Like we're talking about guys doing violent, violent stuff to each other in the octagon. And then a few memes are too far. I don't know. No, I, I didn't. Uh, you know, I thought you're going to play in the mud. You get muddy, man. You get, yeah. get dirty, right? I thought it was kind of like it was agreed upon, right? That's, yeah. that's where they were at. Like, it would be different, like you said, if he did that to Robert Whitaker or something. It would be just a totally different thing, you know? Yeah, and I think fans um, would respond differently, too. Like, yeah, I think yeah. he would he would be more uh, more of a heel character, more yeah. backlash through it. But there wasn't a lot of fan backlash. Yeah. It was a lot of, like, media backlash and people saying, is this yeah. proper for the sport? Is this good for the sport? It's like, you just watched him knock the guy out. What, a little yeah. hump? What's that going to do? <laughs> What, what, uh, yeah, like, you know, what, what bothered me more is there was a fight, uh, a grappler or this guy took it on short notice and he submitted the guy and he got up and he screamed in his face, you know, that actually bothered me more. I'm like, that dude didn't do anything to you. That dude, you know, was just being cool. You just like beat that dude. It's a comeback great for you, but like you should celebrate, but not by yelling at that guy. Yeah, you know, totally. now I want you to lose your next fight, but you know. Yeah, he um, did. He did just, the TJ Dillashaw, uh, Cody Garbrandt celebration. Um, all right. So, what were your thoughts on just talking a, a couple current uh, UFC events? What were your thoughts on Stylebender's performance in the fight? The fight itself. Man, it was amazing. It was amazing. He he talked all that mental warfare stuff, and I was like, ah, whatever. Yep. He was, you know, he was in his head, the beachfront property. He was right there. Uh, it's, you know, like Dana was like, I, I don't recognize that Paul Acosta. There's, you yeah. know. He made it look easy, literally, which nobody's been able to do against Costa, literally, yeah. you know, an undefeated opponent. That was really yeah. crazy. And then what were your thoughts on his plea to Dana afterwards to really penalize people for missing weight more than they already are penalized? So I think, and this is something that, that uh, it's a commission issue, first of all. So, and that, that's what makes it good, right? It's third party out of the UFC's hands. 
but I think it should be uh, your bonus, your your fight purse, and your win purse, and any money you get should be penalized and go to your opponent, right? So right now, I think it's just the show money, right? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't even so realize if you that. Get win money, it should absolutely, and then it should also be tied to the percentage over you are, right? So that guy yep. was four pounds over at one forty-five. So that I means that that's a pretty good percentage over, right? Yeah. And so there there should be thresholds where the percentage over, all right, one eighty-seven, one eighty-six point three. All right, that's ten percent. Ten percent of your win and show money goes to your opponent, and then but when you start getting like you know, where we're a huge percentage of the purse. Uh, yeah, he was saying 90%. A, 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 you know, a larger percent of that, yeah, purse needs to go to your opponent. And, and I think that's that's like a quick solve. We have all these problems with, with weight, especially in COVID, short notice, gyms are shut down, people's trainings, uh, diets, everything. You know, people are struggling a little bit, right? Even fighters, they're not immune from it, you know? Definitely. They're sitting around more than they used to usually do they're eating more than they're usually do because they're depressed down they're training less than they usually do so yeah their weights are up and man you you fight people for a living somebody gives you a fight 27 days from now you're gonna try and take it yeah i would love to see that get improved as well because everyone that i've spoken to on it agrees and you know wants that to be pushed forward well and the other thing i would say is too is like that's kind of what we're about here is man you're a professional man once you win a fight in the ufc and you or once you fight in the ufc what's your excuse for not setting your life up in such a manner that you can take your next fight and be ready for your next fight right totally like even the performance institute that's what that's for like they can go there and literally work out a diet and a weight cut plan and all that i since i started working for the ufc I have not gone on more than five days vacation in seven years. Wow. My wife doesn't like me, but you know, <laughs> she does like me, but she, she would like a proper vacation one of these years. But it's like, what I hear these fighters going on these vacations, doing these ATV rides. All right. All right. Two weeks after your fight, but then come back, get back to work. What are you doing? I don't know. That's just my mentality. Yeah. So I'm not looking for like a, a, any kind of clickbait headline on this, but I'm just looking for your take on the recent Dana White, Conor McGregor Twitter spat. When you see stuff like that happening, which didn't happen a ton in your era, I guess Tito Ortiz yeah. gave Dana so, some issues, me, but, but yeah, let me, that's funny. I don't love that people are now negotiating their contracts out in public. These are contract negotiations. Don't, don't make, don't mistake it. These totally. are con- this, this is a play to, you know, get money, get people to side with you. And, and, and it's not, I don't want to pick on Connor, but it's just what people do now. You know, that you talk about the fight, you say, you know, I need to be compensated publicly more and more. Um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with fighters trying to get more money. You should try to get more money for sure. But I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that being like a public thing now, you know? And I don't need to be comfortable with it because it doesn't really affect me. Yeah, I'm just saying as a fan, I don't love it. You know, I would love I would love for guys to make a lot of money, but is there not a way we can do that behind the scenes? Yeah, and what's your take on, on what's your take on the overall broad scope of it? Where um, the sport I don't want to say has moved away from the best fight the best, but there's definitely we've moved into a territory of money fights and super fights. How well, do you feel about you. that as a guy who was literally? fighting the best at the time so that right here 
got the UFC brand maxim. And uh, one of the maxims is fans decide. Fans decide. If, you, if enough people want to see a fight, that fight will happen. At, at the end of the day, man, this, this is a for-profit company. Yeah. If, if a million people say, I want to see a fight, that fight should happen. Does that, does that make sense? Trust me, I'm with you. As again, like the barstool content, looking for content from the sport, super well, fights, money fights are are perfect f- for me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, does that you know almost take from a belt or this or that? I, I don't know. I just see guys out there that that you know belts are hard to come by. There's only yeah. twelve of them. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're come on. Man. We we can have other fights that aren't big fights other than the twelve fights for the belt, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm entertained. I'd be lying if I said I usually don't want to see those fights. I do. What do you make of these three matchups I'm going to put in front of you? Two of okay. them are scheduled fights, and one of them is just an offered fight that's been put out there that I'm sure you've seen. One is the Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, hopefully it's an amazing fight, right? Uh, yeah. I know there was a, a, uh, Ortega had a little incident with – one of Zombie's guys, some yeah, pop stars. There's been there's been some legit beef, which is funny because both of those guys, knowing them individually, are super nice human beings. But they do not. Uh, yeah, Dana but, said know, the exact same thing to me this week. He was like, "They're the nicest guys. I don't know why they have issues with each other." <laughs> they're the nicest two people, but they should not. They should not be around each other. Hey, but you know what? It's fighting. That's yeah, good. I mean, that, that's what makes it great. Yeah, you totally. know what? You're great. Two guys don't like each other. We'll put them in a cage. They'll let them beat each other up. They'll figure I, it out. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Khabib versus Gaethje. I'm super excited. For, I I don't know, man. I, I just think Gaethje's the guy that can do it for some reason. I just yeah. think his quickness and his he doesn't really get taken down. Or granted, he's never fought a wrestler Khabib's level, but you know, he, Gaethje's got high level wrestling in his back pocket. And, and the other thing about Gaethje is it's a one punch, man. It's one it's, – it's that one punch changes the course of the fight, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I can't wait for that one. And then this one's just a potential matchup. The yeah. rematch of Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. You know, they're looking to do it in the charity way, or at least that's what Conor yeah. said, and the, trying to negotiate his contract, like you said. And Dana White told me yesterday he has legitimately made the offer. It's out there for him. I, I would love it. I would love that fight. I would love that fight. You know, I've been a Dustin Poirier fan, I think, since he was in the WEC when he was like 19. Uh, I got to meet him through some mutual friends, and he's just an awesome human being. You know, he's the kind of like the UFC man of the year, person of the year this year. Definitely. Uh, you know, and, and, and just even if there's a charity aspect in it, you know, it's dear to my heart. So those uh, they're just amazing people there, man. Just, uh, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would love to see that fight. Yeah, I would love to see it as well. Or I've got one final question for you before we get you out of here. What advice would you impart to a young fighter that just came to you and said, hey, do you have any word of advice for me? What would be the one thing that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's not one thing, right? There's a million little things. But what I always say is uh, make sure that you're having fun, right? So, you know, the first fights I got in, um, only the winner got paid. And I had to win two fights to get $100. And I, and I thought, like, I thought that was great. 
because I was getting to do what I love to do for hundreds of dollars. So um, the other thing I will say is have fun. Nothing's more fun than winning. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you know, you're prepared for the it, fight. Nothing sucks worse than losing except retiring because that's like the permanent loss. Yeah. And people are like, oh, how is retirement? Dude, retirement sucks. So if you're young, take care of yourself so you can do this as long as you can because there's going to be days when you hate it the days when you absolutely hate fighting on fight week you're undernourished you have to do eight thousand media things you just traveled around the world you can't sleep right you got to fight this other human being and you have all these stupid things you have to do i have to talk to you on fight week i'm sure you get it now these guys these guys and gals they're like so stressed they're so thin on everything right yep. and now they got to do media and all that crap they will miss it when it's gone as much as I hated all of this stuff, I, Fight Week, you know, I, I work at the UFC now, and people have told me, man, you are a real jerk, Fight Week. And I was like, yes, I was. I was doing my thing, and anything that didn't help me win that fight was not important to me. I didn't care that much about selling that fight. And the other piece of advice I would give to guys with my mentality is that's cool that you want to fight. But if you're not willing to fight for free, you're going to have to do a little bit of media. You're going to have to make people care. You're going to have to get up early and do some interviews on fight week. You're going to have to go to a media day and, and sit at a freaking media table while people only ask Conor McGregor questions. You're sitting there without a phone and nothing to do except listen to this guy and answer questions for an hour of your life. You know, that's, that's the way a media day can be, you know, but sure sure as hell when it's gone you will truly miss that are you you still you ready to fight now you're ready like you know what no no i'm gonna don't gonna stay out of the octagon i'm gonna stay on this side trust me all the anxiety we talked about before that comes with this guy so i'm gonna not get in the octagon i I was afraid i'm afraid of everything I'm, i'm afraid of flying i've been afraid i'm afraid of rides at the park at the amusement park i'm terrified of everything but do you so, like throw up when you get afraid like stan from south park when he sees wendy i don't throw up see that's what i do and i would be so embarrassing if i threw up in the octagon especially with women in high school and college i definitely froze up you know fight flight oh, yeah. free i definitely become like a statue hey force you okay uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I was a freezer. I was a freezer in high school. <laughs> no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, maybe maybe fighting's not for you then. You, you <laughs> no. Running away is least something. Listen, fighting, I'll talk. Fighting. I'll talk to you about fighting. I'll talk to whoever about yeah. fighting. You want to talk fighting? I'm your guy, but yeah. I'm not the guy for fighting. Have you, have you ever been in a fight? No, I've. I mean, in a hockey fight that's, before, but never an actual right. fight. Well, I mean, hockey fights are legit. That's a fight. Yeah, kinda. I got suspended from the league. It was a roller hockey league. Uh, roller that's a better fight but yeah. but they break it up as soon as you hit the ground right so you know you're like they broke it up right away and then i pushed the ref off to get back and i got a five game suspension three for the fight two for the ref thing yeah yeah you can't put push the ref i mean that's another thing in the ufc you know, i agree I but agree. Uh, no that's, that's great i think you should try to get them at least one more fight i don't know next time I... you're in vegas when when the, when the pandemic's over i'm gonna make that happen for you I don't mean at the performance institute, we could do it like fight club style, closed doors, just like Forrest Griffin and a few I mean, legends Joe, in attendance. Joe B is bouncing around the octagon right now. I can hook Joe that B up is, yeah, Joe Benavides. Tell him I said, Hey, he's yes. one of my best friends in the UFC. Swear to you, no, no, I trust me. I, I, I picked up, I picked up a little bit of his vibe off you, so I figured, I figured, oh, okay, yeah, 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 all right. 
Forrest, this has been a pleasure. I hope to talk to you soon. Hopefully uh, next yeah, year man. when COVID isn't a worry. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe next time I'll remember that we've met several yeah, times. Yeah, that that, bro, that would be awesome. awesome. I would be honored. All right. <laughs> All Thanks right, thank you. Have a great one, brother.